Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. Vanessa Denha Garmo here with Epiphany Communications and Coaching. So there's a lot going on with AAA. I, I get great information from them on a regular basis. And I wanted to talk with them a couple stories that came through. One about gas prices, because that seems to be the talk of the town, and uh, electric cars. And of course, uh, one that really caught my attention is many drivers hitting the road on potentially impairing magic medications. Study finds doctors' orders are often ineffective or ignored by drivers. So to talk with us about that and so much more is the spokesperson for AAA. Adrian Woodland is joining us. How are you, Adrian? I am good. Thank you for having me, Vanessa. So thanks for sharing all this wealth of information from AAA. So let's talk, first of all, about the potentially impairing medications and in this press release uh, you put out. You know, what are some of the things that we should be concerned about this report that came out? Yeah, you know, we did a national survey conducted by the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety, and it reveals that many Americans admit to one or more potentially taking one or more potentially impairing medications before getting behind the wheel. And it's quite a few medications that we looked at, and some of those include um, cough medicines, antihistamines, antidepressants. Of course, prescription pain medicines, sleep aids, and amphetamines are some of the medications. And so what what happens when people are on this? What is the study showing? You know, it's showing that, you know, one, these medications um, are potentially driver-impairing medications or what we call PDIs. And all of these medications have the ability to impair driving. And some of the effects are similar to driving drunk, blurred vision, slowed reaction time. You know, drivers can even fall asleep behind the wheel. And that's a, definitely a prescription for extremely unsafe situation for both the driver and everyone else on the road. Yeah, that is very scary. And so are people just ignoring what the doctors are telling them? Are they just you taking the medication and, and getting in a car? Well, what we're seeing is not everyone taking these medications realizes the side effects that could impact their driving. We found that up to half of the people, you know, who took these medications and drove did not receive a warning from their healthcare provider about the potential uh, side effects of the medication. Oh, okay. And so so what, when people are doing this, let's say you're on a medication, you're prescribed something, Andrea, is the first thing we should be asking is, or reading, like, can I, you know, you, you see it on your prescription, don't operate heavy equipment, don't get into a car. I mean, are people kind of just ignoring those directions or are not taking the time out to figure out what you should be doing with this medication, how they might react? You know, I think a lot of people don't really realize that their medications can impair their driving and they make the mistake of getting behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we associate impaired driving with alcohol or illegal drug use, but over-the-counter or prescription medications can also compromise your ability to drive safely. Yeah. And are there ramifications? Like, are we finding a lot of people getting in accidents, being uh, getting ticketed, even getting arrested for this kind of impairment? 
yeah, you could certainly um, get ticketed. Um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you can certainly get it ticketed. Um, you know, you could be arrested or, you know, certainly even worse, you could cause a crash. Yeah, that's that's what's so scary. And then, you know, you, you're right, Andrew, and, uh, Adrian, we think of like alcohol, right? Impairment. Mm -hmm. We don't think of medication. And then some people don't even think of marijuana. That's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> uh, right? I mean, I don't know if we want to get into that, but yeah, uh, it, it's just, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I mean, we, even like, um, not to put a label on a particular medication, but when you, when you're sick, you'll take a nighttime medicine to make you sleep and it, it, they make you drowsy. Yes. Yeah. You know, definitely, you know, some tips for drivers that AAA recommends is one, don't underestimate the risk of driving after using medications. You know, driving under the influence of over-the-counter and prescription medications can affect your decision-making and in making it unsafe to operate a vehicle. You also want to be responsible and have a plan. Remember, just like driving and drinking, driving while under the influence of, you know, prescription drugs or over-the-counter medications, it can get you arrested. So instead of driving impaired, you still want to find a designated driver. And you also want to consider your options. With advice from your doctor or your pharmacist, you can successfully treat your medical condition and maintain your ability to drive safely. Mm. And and so, um, what what is what is AAA's warning to people? Like, what what do you what are your warning signs to people? You know, one realize that medications, even if prescribed or purchased over the counter, can impact your ability to drive safely. Fully understand the side effects of your medication before your drive. Talk to your doctor. And you can also do your own research. But ultimately, if you feel impaired, do not get behind the wheel. Find a designated driver or wait until the effects wear off. Mm -hmm. Because we know basic med over-the-counter medications, it doesn't even have to be a prescription. It could be a, a mm -hmm. cough medicine, an antidepressant uh, uh, muscle relaxer, sleep aids, all kinds of medications that could be over the counter and prescription could really impair your ability to uh, operate a vehicle. Exactly. You know, things like antihistamines or cough medicine, those are things that can, you know, you can easily get over the counter, but they can certainly have an effect and impair your ability to drive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, in addition to that, is there anything else that you want people to know about this particular press release that you sent out about impairment? What else do we need to know? What are the warnings, other concerns you have? You know, we urge anyone that is taking any of these medications or medications that could potentially um, impair your ability to drive is to research any potential side effects and talk to your doctor or pharmacist about ways to preserve safe driving capabilities. You know, AAA urges drivers to fully understand the side effects of your medications before driving and consider a designated driver if it's not safe for you behind the wheel. I know me personally, I have really bad allergies. And one of the things that I've been doing for years is I've been taking my medicine at night. Mm. And that way, if it does have any drowsy effect, I sleep it off. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I don't have any you know, drowsiness or impairment. So there are different things that you can do that can certainly, you know, help you to function better 
and dried without having the uh, impairing side effects. So I'm gonna switch a little gears here because the talk of the town is gas prices. And I know recent releases <laughs> have come out and you know we're seeing a decline, it's going down, which is a relief. You know, it's not the 550 high anymore. So Adrian, what would you say, what do you wanna update our listeners here on Itcher Community re uh, regarding gas prices? I mean, you know, well, gas prices have certainly gone down um, across the country and as well as across the state of Michigan. Um, you know, right now, what we're looking at for Michigan's uh, average today, it is actually down 20 cents compared to last week, but it's down about 68 cents compared to this time last month. Uh, but however, on the other side, current gas prices are still about $1.15 higher than they were this time of year. So it's a really interesting place to be in where prices are certainly coming down over the last month, month and a half or so, uh, but they're still a lot higher than they were compared to this time last year. Mm. Um, so what are we expecting? Do we see uh, it going, getting better. I mean, does AAA have any idea of gauging what it's going to look like for the rest of the year? We know that Labor Day weekend is a big travel time. What do, what do you, what are your thoughts? What is AAA thoughts on that? Well, one of the things that's been going on that has helped to push prices downward over the last month and a half, um, you know, prior to Independence Day, we had a really kind of interesting, you know, what you would kind of consider anomaly, which is we had demand for gasoline up, which of course you expect that heading into, uh, you know, the big summer holiday. Um, but prices were still going down and prices were going down because crude oil prices uh, were declining. And then after Independence Day, 4th of July, we saw a decrease in demand and that decrease in demand coupled with declining crude oil prices helped push prices even further. And one of the things we've been seeing within the last week or so is we're continuing to see a decrease in demand for gasoline, but we also have seen an increase in gasoline stocks. So it's the availability of gasoline. Um, and so when you get a decrease in demand, an increase in stocks, and a decrease in crude oil prices, that is a recipe for prices to go down. And so that's what motorists have been seeing happening. Um, you know, it's really, really hard to say where exactly they will go. Because again, we're in the middle of the summer. You know, summer is usually a very busy season for driving. We typically see an increase in demand for gasoline and that increase in demand typically sends prices higher. Um, and so it's really interesting uh, thing that we have going on right now where we're seeing prices decrease and we're seeing a decrease in demand. You know, again, with us being in the middle of the summer, we could certainly see an increase in demand, you know, as folks, you know, prepare in the month of August to kind of take those last big summer trips. And of course, you know, prior to Labor Day, while everyone, you know, proceeds to go out, um, and then as we get into August and further down, you also have the potential, you know, hurricanes in the Gulf. And, you know, as anyone knows, a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico can certainly uh, affect gasoline prices. So, you know, you still have those potential, but it's really, really kind of hard to say where things are going. And then also when we're dealing with 
crude oil prices and you know crude is such a big factor into the price that we pay at the pump um it's really really hard to predict where crude oil is going to go because there are so many different uh global factors pulling on the price of crude oil Mm -hmm. yeah and so so let's move gears on that note there's also uh, another release that you put out there on electric cars so let's talk about that yeah we had a new national survey by AAA um, into electric vehicles and we do um, surveys on electric vehicles um, usually annually and our latest survey shows that about a quarter of consumers plan to go fully electric for their next vehicle purchase And one of the most common factors of those that say they're going to get an electric vehicle for their next vehicle purchase is a strong desire to save on fuel costs. So of those that say their next vehicle is going to be electric, 77% of those say it is a strong desire to save on fuel costs. Um, But, you know, one of the things to note about that survey is there are still those that are still hesitant to make the switch to electric. Um, and, and some of those concerns, there are lingering concerns regarding range of electric vehicles, the purchase price, and the availability of public charging options. Yeah. And that's the concern, Adrian, is that we don't, I I work with a lot of petroleum dealers, gas station owners, because it's one of my clients and they don't have enough charging stations. And then they there's talk about the grids not, you know, being able to accommodate this massive switch to electric cars. How is that a concern? You know, data from the U.S. Department of Energy actually su- suggests there are nearly 55,000 charging stations throughout the United States. And most of the charging stations have been installed at places like hotels, car dealerships, office buildings, and federal government facilities. Um, You know, so there are stations out there. And actually, just how AAA, how we follow gas prices, if you use our mobile app, it'll help you find gas prices in your community. Our website also can help you find charging stations in your community. Um, You know, so those things are out there and there's actually several different types of charging stations that are available in public. Um, And there's different levels of, you know, charging and things like that. Yeah. And hopefully as time goes by, uh, there'll be more of a push, right, for more charging stations. I know a lot of gas stations owners are looking to add them to their uh, stations so people can charge up. Yeah, and you know, electronic vehicle sales in the United States, they continue to steadily rise. In 2021 alone, we saw almost 450,000 electric vehicles sold, and that's about an 88% increase year over year. Uh, But despite the rapid growth, electronic vehicles still account for less than 1% of the light vehicles, which are cars and trucks in operation today. But industry analysts still forecast the share of electronic vehicles on the road will reach 15% by 2020, I'm sorry, 15% by 2030 and 50% by 2050. So, you know, there's definitely the idea that this is going to be a 
um, a growing trend. And what we found with our survey was that consumers who are fed up with the wild price rings at the pump may be more willing than ever before to make that switch to an electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adrian, what about travel? Uh, you know, we know that we're hitting one of the big travel weekends. It's summertime, first of all. So a lot of people travel in the summer and they're driving. So do you have any research on how many people are hit the roads this summer for travel vacations, for road trips? Um, in general, for summer, no, it was by, you know, holiday by holiday. Yeah. Um, what we did find, um, <clears throat> excuse me, for uh, Memorial Day, we saw a marked increase in those that were preparing to travel over the Memorial Day holiday compared to the previous year. And one of the things that we have seen in AAA travel since early in the year is we found more and more folks booking travel this year compared to last year. And we definitely saw this pent up demand for travel, you know, due to being in the pandemic, folks wanted to um, travel. So earlier in the year, like January, February, the first quarter of the year, our bookies increased with folks planning trips for the summertime. For So for spring and summer, we definitely saw an increase in those numbers. And, you know, for Memorial, or excuse me, for the Independence Day, we found an increase in travelers this year as well. And um, in fact, for here in Michigan, we saw 1.7 million Michiganders travel for Independence Day. And the majority of those hit the road. You know, the majority of those folks were uh, doing road trips. So we definitely saw an increase. Um, we saw about a 10% increase in 2022 compared to what we saw in 2021. However, even with those numbers being high, they were not as high as what we saw in 2019 compared to the pandemic. Uh, but one thing I will note about the 2019 summer travel holiday season and not just for summer travel we saw in 2019 we saw it for memorial day independence day and we actually also saw it later in the year in terms of thanksgiving and the end of the year holidays which we saw record numbers of people traveling for holidays in 2019 actually record since, since we started keeping these numbers in 2000. So you got to think you had a year in 2019 of records and then you had, you know, the pandemic in 2020, which dropped travel to a low. And so it's going to take um, a while before we get back up to some of the numbers that we saw in 2019. What else do you want to share with our listeners, Adrian Woodland, uh, here on It's Your Community about AAA and everything that you're doing? What other messages do you have to share with them? Um, you know, there's so many different things that we have going on, um, you know, definitely, you know, certainly, you know, going back to the electronic vehicles, one thing that I did want to share with the listeners, in that survey, we actually did a comparison, price comparison, and the cost for filling up a standard vehicle versus charging an electric vehicle, and we found that while fueling costs vary greatly, you know, of course, depending on the type of vehicle, electricity costs, gas prices, uh, we determined that charging an electric vehicle is actually about two to four times less than fueling a gasoline-powered vehicle. 
And, you know, when comparing two of the most popular electric vehicles, sedans against popular gasoline powered vehicles, we found that electric vehicles charged at home based on the current national average rate, you'll spend about 3.5 cents per mile charging at home, which is around $10 per full charge. Doing an EV at a public charger, you can expect to spend about seven cents per mile or around $20 per uh, full charge. But again, you know, those costs can vary. But when it came to gas vehicles, based on the national average at the time, which was $4.66 per gallon, drivers spend about 15 cents per mile or about $70 for a full tank. And that's nearly twice as expensive as charging an electric vehicle at a public station and about four times that of charging your electric vehicle yeah. at home. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, uh, consumers really understand that, you know, really electric vehicles can really be less expensive. And there are options out there to be acclimated with the availability of public charging stations in your areas yeah. or even when you travel. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good point. I mean, I know that it takes time to, you can't just, uh, you know, charge up a car, like you could put gas in the car. It takes time. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully all that will get better as time goes by with the technology advancing. Uh, Adrian Woodland, thank you so much for joining us here on Intra Community. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Again, we started this conversation with Andrea with many drivers hit the road on potentially impairing medication. Study finds doctors' orders are often ineffective or ignored by drivers. It's a national survey conducted by AAA Foundation of Traffic Safety, revealing many Americans admit to taking one or more potentially impairing medications before getting behind the wheel. AAA's study focused on commonly used medications such as antihistamines and cough medicines and antidepressants and prescriptions and pain medications and muscle relaxants, sleep aids and uh, other over-the-counter and prescription drugs. So um, they put the driver at risk of nausea, sleepiness, blurred vision, slowed reaction time, and attention to problems. While the side effects can vary by individual, these medications ability to reduce a person's ability to drive safely. Throughout the course of a 30-day period, about half Americans reported using a potentially driving-impairing medication. This is during a 30-day period. So nearly half, 45% of those, reported using one or more medications admitting to driving within two hours of taking it. 63% of people reported taking two or more medications within 30 days, drove within two hours of the dose. 71% of drivers who reported taking three or more medications within 30 days drove within two hours of a dose. So the data is from a national survey of the U.S. residents ages 16 and older with a driver's license who reported driving and taking the corresponding medicines or a number of medicines within a 30-day period weighted to reflect the U.S. population. So the sharing, those who drove within two hours of taking particular uh, medications was 73% uh, and 73% were, were amphetamine users, 61% were antidepressant users, 39% of those taking antihistamines or cough medicines. 
So this is a report from AAA of Michigan. I will put this on my Epiphany Communications and Coaching Facebook page um, so you could read the full report. If you want to find out more about my work as a communication strategist and coach, you can go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching. You can also private message me on all my social media platforms, Vanessa Denhagarmo. You could follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and Epiphany Communications and Coaching on Facebook. As always, we remind all of you, our listeners, to connect, communicate, and to collaborate with your community. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time right here on It's Your Community. It's Your Community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.